What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Snaggle Show. I am, of course, your host, Chris Jardine, a.k.a. Snaggle J. Very excited to be here with you on a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday, the first day of October 2019. And you all know what October means. It means playoff baseball. We're going to be talking about a little bit of playoff baseball later in the show with a new Mount Rushmore episode as I will be revealing my Mount Rushmore of Toronto Blue Jays moments. And yes, of course, all four of them center around moments in the playoffs. Uh, I've been sitting on this episode for a little while. I think this is finally the best time for it to drop. Obviously, you're listening to this on Tuesday, the wildcard games uh, kick off later tonight. So we are in full MLB postseason swing. What a wonderful time of the year it is. Playoff baseball. We have the NHL a little over a week away. NBA is going to be starting up soon. We're on week, almost week five of the NFL um, season. And my fantasy team is so fucking brutal. I'm ready to worry about anything else but fantasy football. Um, but my bills are doing pretty good. I'm recording this on Sunday. My bills are 3-0. and We're playing the Patriots today. So very likely going to be 3-1 and uh, when the day is over. But I'm going to be uh, hopeful up until uh, we're down 21 nothing after the first quarter. Um, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, but guys, thank you so much, as always, for downloading or listening to The Snaggle Show. If you're listening online at anchor.fm slash The Snaggle Show, or if you have subscribed in your podcast app of choice on iOS or Android, I appreciate it. Again, make sure you search out in your podcast app of choice, guys. We're available on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Sketcher, Squitcher, Sam Squanch, all of those different platforms. We're all available on there. And guys, if you haven't heard... Later on this week, I am launching a brand new podcast all about Nintendo, the Switch, things Nintendo, current stuff, old stuff. It is called the Gold Cartridge Podcast. It's going to be available online at anchor.fm slash goldcartpod. It's also going to be trickling out to Google, to uh, iOS and those places. I know it's available on Google Podcasts already. It's available on Spotify already. So search up the Golden Cartridge Podcast. Again, you can find it on anchor.fm slash goldcartpod with a link to all the various places where you'll be able to listen to it. You can also follow it on Twitter at goldcartpod on there as well. I'm very, very excited. Um... To bring you guys that particular venture, it's something I've been considering for a while. Um, what that does mean is here on this podcast, The Snangle Show, we're going to talk less and less about video game stuff, unless it's like big news, uh, but like, you know, Switch-related, Nintendo-related stuff, we're going to be shifting that over to the Gold Cart Pod. We're going to be keeping this particular venture a little more focused on, uh, you know, me and the things that are happening and what's going on and stuff. Um, I've been having a hell of a time getting back into the routine of podcasting. Um, I've said it almost every single episode of the Snaggle Show here um, that I'm loving doing it. I'm having a great time doing it. Uh, I love just being able to click the record button, talk to you guys, and just let you guys know, hey, this is what's, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going on. This is the kind of stuff I'm having fun with. And this is episode 30 of The Snaggle Show already. Holy shit. 
<laughs> this thing moves along. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's the 1st of October. I'm like, where has 2019 gone? You know, I was sitting at work thinking the other day, and Facebook always has a way of, like, getting to me in the feels, getting me right in the feels. Um, it popped up a little thing saying, hey, here's some of your best summer moments. And, you know, it uses their algorithm of, like, interactions and, and likes and comments and shares and stuff, and it, it pulls your best things. And, man, I had so much fun this summer. Probably the best, most fun summer I've ever had. Um... All the cool stuff I was able to do. Obviously, being able to go to Cleveland um, for the All-Star Game was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, you know, being able to take in the national championships here, uh, you know, 10 minutes away from my front step and watching the home team bring home the title. Uh, having some great camping trips uh, with the Jay family. Um, you know, me and my wife being able to go see some of our favorite 90s bands here a few weeks ago in Moncton with Bush and Live and Our Lady Peace. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, just a great summer all around. You know, great time spent with my family, great time spent with my friends, um, great time spent with you guys doing this podcast. It was a, it just a, I look back on the summer of 2019 and I just, my heart is full and, you know, it, it's just like, man, it's, like, I'm not getting any younger in life, right? I'm pushing, I'll be 38 years old uh, here in three months. And you know what? Like, I've really learned to appreciate the, the moments and the fun that I'm having. And, you know, again, you guys might not think of it as, as much, you know, to be able to listen to my voice through the powers of the internet. But I have a lot of fun recording these you know, I look forward to it. I look forward to the time I set aside to hit the button and talk. And, it, and I have fun with it. And I've learned to appreciate that something as simple as taking 30 minutes to record a podcast on something I'm passionate about is super fun. I've been able to turn, you know, my my love of baseball into a amazingly fun time working for out-of-the-park developments and just being able to... You know, being able to take in the kind of things that I've been able to do there and, you know, working with the community and developing content and, you know, doing something absolutely batshit insane. Like, hey, let's go to Cleveland for a bunch of days. <laughs> it's just like, man, oh man, oh man, it's absolutely insane. Uh, the kind of fun things I've been able to experience. So, you know, guys, I thank you so much for you know, taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this. Um, so, yes, let's jump into why we're here today, and that is the Mount Rushmore of Toronto Blue Jays moments. Um, I have been a Jays fan since I can remember. Uh, you know, I have very fond memories of the late 80s and obviously the early 90s. Um, I was a fan through the dark ages between 1994 and 2014 um, and all the, the bad years and, and watching the Jays absolutely piss away the career of Roy Halladay and Carlos Delgado and many, many other you know franchise stalwarts that were top-tier players that they just couldn't build a team around them. 
but you know what? We've we've I've, I've been able to experience so many amazing moments in Toronto Blue Jays history. Um, so we're gonna I'm gonna commemorate my favorite. For remember, as always, guys, when we do these Mount Rushmore of episodes, they are in no particular order, and as always, they are my personal opinion. I lo- I agree to disagree with just about anybody. If you want to continue the conversation on these, make sure you hit me up on the Twitter machine at SnaggleJ, or you can hit me up in the Discord, Discord.Snaggle.Club. I love continuing the conversation. Um, again, you know what? Again, these are my opinion. They are in no particular order. So first up, Ed Sprague's. Go ahead, home run in game two of the 1992 World Series. Up until that point, the Blue Jays had shown absolutely no life against Atlanta. They absolutely got dominated in game one. They absolutely, up until this point, were pretty much being dominated in game two. Atlanta was showing that they were the superior team. The Jays only had four hits in game one against Tom Glavin. Uh, In game two, up until, really up until the eighth inning, they really had done nothing. They were down 4-2. They scored a run in the eighth uh, to be down 4-3. They still, up until that point, didn't have, you know, I think they had five or six hits. Um, The big moment to kick off this game for Canadians was this was the game where the American Marine Corps color guard held the Canadian flag upside down. It was huge cross-country news as almost immediately as it happened. Again, this is 1992. We didn't have Twitter and Facebook and, and Reddit and all those places where news spreads like absolute wildfire now. But this was the day after wall-to-wall across country news. The first World Series where a Canadian team played and the second game in Atlanta, the color guard accidentally holds the flag upside down. Obviously, the story had a happy ending. The Marine Corps asked if they could come to Canada for Game 3, redeem themselves, which they did. The RCMP on the other side of the field held the American flag. It was a beautiful moment. Every single person at the Sky Dome was on their feet cheering these guys. So, obviously, it had a happy ending. Game 2 also had a happy ending. Down 4-3, going to the ninth. The Blue Jays turn to the bench. The guys that they called the trenches, which was Derek Bell um, Ed Sprague were two of the kind of leaders that Derek Bell loved to talk. If you guys remember those era of the Jays, Derek Bell was an absolute talker. Derek Bell pinch hit for Manny Lee, uh, reaches base, and then Ed Sprague out of nowhere steps up and hits a go-ahead two-run home run off of Jeff Reardon. Um to give the Blue Jays a 5-4 lead, Tom Hankey was able to come in. He was able to shut it down for the save. And that was the momentum changer for the Jays. They, they were lifeless up until that point. Ed Sprague comes off the bench, hits that huge, huge, huge home run. They even the series at one. They go back to Toronto. They end up winning game three and game four uh, before dropping game five. Eventually, obviously, we all know how it ends, right? Jays win the World Series in six, and you know we're off to the races with the first of two uh, championships. 
Uh, but it was, you know, it was a, an amazing, amazing moment because it was, it was one of those things where I remember I was ten years old at the time, and I remember just thinking after the first game, the air, we, we there was so much carryover of excitement from the ALCS, and that's something we're going to talk about um, in a couple of minutes. There was so much carryover of excitement from the ALCS and this Blue Jays team that was so close in 87, was so close in 89, was so close in 91. Finally, we're getting to the World Series and Tom Glavin makes us look like Swiss cheese in, uh, (laughs) makes us look like Swiss cheese in game one and absolutely shredded, absolutely shredded the Blue Jays. And it was like, Damn, it took it took the absolute wind out of everything, and it was like, man, I can't believe that you know that that we were that we were here that we got to this point. It was like crap, you know, just what. But so Sprague comes in, gets that big spark. The Jays go on to win the World Series. What a wonderful moment it was for Ed Sprague. I would say probably the high water mark of his career. So first spot on the Mail Rushmore Blue Jays moments is Ed Sprague's go-ahead home run in Game 2 of the 92 World Series. Speaking of 92, that's going to bring me to my second moment, which was the Roberto Alomar home run in the ALCS off of Dennis Eckersley in Game 4. Um, Oakland was a juggernaut of a team back then. Um, they had amazing pitching. They had amazing hitting. They were a very, very... Hard team to beat. They had a 96 and 66 regular season, which was the same record as the Blue Jays. They had Tony Larusa, uh, who even at that point was already a seasoned uh, manager. You know, very very methodical on the bench with how he held, handled his team. And obviously, you had Dennis Eckersley in the bullpen, um, who you know is coming off a stretch at this point of some of the. Some of the best seasons that we've seen, you know, from from a reliever. I mean, Eckersley in the late 80s and early 90s, once he was converted to a closer, was absolutely just foolishly dominant. Um, he had converted to a reliever um, in kind of halfway through the 87 season. But, I mean, 80-80 led the league in saves. Uh, with 45 and had a 2.35 ERA. 89, he had 33 saves and a 1.56 ERA. 1990, he had 48 saves and a .61 ERA. 1991, he had 43 saves and a 2.96 ERA. 1992, the season we're talking about, he had 51 saves, which led the league, a 1.91 ERA, and ended up winning not only the Cy Young, but also... Also, he won the MVP. So, I mean, you're facing this guy. They have this guy in the back end of the bullpen that was absolutely just dominant. So, the way this series went, um, Oakland wins 4-3. They score a run in the top of the ninth. Eckersley comes in, shuts it down. They get up 1-0. Toronto's able to claw back with a 3-1 win in Game 2. And then a 7-5 win in Game 3. Game 4 is really going... Oakland's way. Um, they're up 6-1. They're 
going to the eighth inning. Um, they decide to bring Larusa decides to bring in Eckersley. Um, oh, how does that work now? Hang on, I, I got I got I got to make sure I get this right because it was such a huge um, a huge thing. But um, Eckersley was in the game. The Jays had scored. Um, the Jays had scored three runs, if I remember correctly, in the top of the eighth. So they had made it a close game. Um, Eckersley's in the game, and Roberto Alomar um, pops a home run into the right field seats to tie the game at six in the ninth. The Jays ended up winning in extra innings, and then they go on to win the series in six games. But it's iconic because, again, Eckersley at that time was head and shoulders the best reliever in baseball. And it's an iconic moment because everybody remembers Alomar connecting with that ball and then his two arms go up in the air. And I remember as a Jays fan, it was at that exact moment that you realized two things. That this Jays team was different than the Jays teams of that I had mentioned earlier, 87 89, 91, where you know they were division champions and they fell just short in the ALCS. This team was different. This team had a spark. And the other thing you realize at that moment was we're going to be playing in a World Series. We're that close to being in a World Series. Um, the Oakland would come back and win Game 5 behind a great effort from Dave Stewart, but J the Jays... Go home. They pick up a 9-2 win in Game 6. Rock for the World Series. We, everybody knows what happens. We talked about that earlier. So Roberto Alomar's home run, 1992 ALCS Game 4 off of Dennis Eckersley is the second uh, spot on my Mount Rushmore of Toronto Blue Jays moments. Next up, number 3 spot. Uh, again, not in any particular order, but the number 3 head on the Mount Rushmore of Toronto Blue Jays moments. The bat flip. 2015 ALDS Game 5, uh, it's the bottom of the 7th inning, 3-3 score, Sam Dyson on the mound, Jose Bautista at the plate. I don't really need to say more other than that. Um, Bautista connects on a ball that as the second he hit the ball, you could not hear anything. He stands there for a minute, fires the bat into the air, and the rest is history. But it's th that moment is the cap off of an absolutely fucking insane game and really an insane series. What a lot of people forget about the 2015 ALDS was the Blue Jays. We're down two games to nothing. The Texas went out and won the first two games. They won 5-3 in the first game, and they won 6-4 in 14 innings in game two. Both of those games in Toronto, in front of insane sellout crowds. They were down 2-0. This was the Blue Jays 
first appearance in the playoffs in 22 years. And they go out in front of a raucous, insane home crowd. And they drop a 5-3 decision. And then they drop a 6-4, almost 5-hour game. And at that point, you're like, well, that's it. We're not going to win three straight against these guys. But they go to Texas. They win game three. Marco Estrada pitches an absolute gem. They win 5-1. David Price goes out. The Blue Jays get him a 7-0 lead after two and a half innings. There he's able to keep them at bay. The Jays went 8-4, and then all of a sudden, we're coming back home with a chance to win this thing. Texas goes up 2-0 after 2.5. Toronto gets one back in the third, it's 2-1. Gets one back in the sixth, it's 2-2. Then the top of the seventh inning happened. The top of the seventh inning, which at this point, for most fans, is forgotten in the myths of time. But the top of the seventh inning is where you had that extremely controversial play where Russell Martin tried to throw the ball back to the mound and the ball hit Sin Shu Chu's bat and bounced towards third base. Rugnet Odor comes home and scores. Originally, home plate umpire Dale Scott says, dead ball, no run. Rangers manager Jeff Bannister comes out and says, hold on now, there's, that, there's nothing wrong with that play. There was nothing intentional about Sin Chu Chu interfering with the throwback. He was in the box. There was really no, really no need for that to be a dead ball. Umpires get together. Eventually they overrule the call. They allow the run to stand and Texas takes a 3-2 lead. And this is where, and I will be the first person to admit this. Blue Jays fans sometimes can be the absolute bushest fans in baseball. 22 years, no playoffs, it's game five. Really, really, really controversial call, which, by the way, as an umpire, I believe they made the right call in the end, which is what matters. What matters is they got the call right in the end, in my opinion. And in the opinion of most people, they got the call right at the end of the day. Yes, it was controversial. Yes, it sucked. Yes, it came at a pivotal point in a massive game with 50,000 people who wanted to see their team, you know, come out on top. And this put them behind the eight ball with only nine outs to go. It was the right call. But Blue Jays fans start tossing beer cans, garbage on the field. They go to a review. John Gibbons protests the game, so we're playing under protest. Finally, there was an 18-minute delay. Finally, we get to the point where, okay, the run stands. It's 3-2. Stop throwing shit on the field. Let's move on. And at that point, as a Jays fan, now I'm watching this game 5,000 kilometers away from my current location in Alberta. I work in Alberta at this time. And we were listening to the games on the radio in our survey uh, in our survey office. And um, 
we are rushing back to camp for supper so that we can find a TV to watch the rest of this game. And we're traveling back to camp during this delay. It was about a 10-minute trip. Most of the delay occurred while we were traveling. So we get back to camp. And I remember I sat down in my chair right as the bottom of the seventh start. So bottom of the seventh starts and Jay, you know, the, the, the air has been taken out of the stadium. Um, you know, it, it was, you needed something to happen. Elvis Andrus makes an error. Okay. Fans immediately come back to life. Andrus makes an error. Then Mitch Moreland makes an error. And then another error by Andrus. Three errors. And then, um, three errors, bases are loaded, there's nobody out. Ben Revere hits into a fielder's choice, play comes home, Dalton Pompey hits the catcher, all of a sudden we have another review, and the fans are like, oh baby, they call this interference, and, um, if they call this interference, and call it a double play, this place is going to fucking come unglued. Luckily that didn't happen. Um, Donaldson comes up, um, hits a ball to Odor, who kind of misplays it. He's able to get the out at second. Run scores. Um, tie game. Sam Dyson comes in. Jose Bautista's at the plate. And all of a sudden, he hits a ball that the second he hit it, the place went absolutely... Um, the place went batshit crazy. The bat flip. Um, there was some obviously some tension afterwards. Dyson was upset. Uh, you know, there there was a lot made about bat flips and showboating and stuff afterwards, which in my opinion is complete horseshit. In that moment. I mean, what did you expect him to do in that moment? After that series, after that inning that had just occurred, did you expect, really, really expect someone as brash and flamboyant as Jose Bautista to set the bat down and run around the bases? Give me a fucking break. They're human beings. Was it maybe a little over the top? Sure. Is it still one of the most iconic moments not just in Blue Jays history, but in baseball history? Absolutely. There was some afterwards stuff. Edwin was trying to get the fans to stop throwing garbage on the field. Dyson thought Encarnacion was showboating. And then there was some shit crap after the inning. Blue Jays hang on. They win 6-3. They move on to the ALCS where they could beat. But the bat flip is something we're going to talk about forever. Uh, it's it's never going to be a thing we're not going to talk about. It will live on as one of the best moments in Blue Jays history. Hence why it's immortalized on my list. So number three spot here on the Mount Rushmore Blue Jays moments, the Jose Bautista bat flip. And that brings us to the final entrant on my Mount Rushmore Blue Jays moments. And I mean, if you don't know what this one is, I don't know if we can be friends. Um... The Joe Carter walk-off in the 1993 World Series. Touch them all, Joe, as Tom Cheek coined at the time. Uh, 
walking off the Phillies in Game 6 um, to clinch the 1993 World Series. Uh, the Jays ended up winning that game 8-6. to six. That series in and of itself was, um, was insane. You know, the 92 World Series was very... Um, was very pitching and, and defense-oriented. Both teams pitched very well. The 1993 World Series was just about who could hit the most home runs and score the most runs because it was insane. Um, Toronto won game one, 8-5. Philadelphia won game two, 6-4. Toronto won game three, 10-3. Toronto won game four, 15-14 after a six-run eighth inning. By the way, Mitch Williams took the loss in that game. Um, game five, the only real pitching matchup of the series, Kurt Schilling threw an absolute gem and outpitched Juan Guzman, and they won two nothing. And then obviously game six was eight six. The Blue Jays were up in this game five one, heading to the seventh before Philadelphia put up a five spot in the top of the seventh to take a six five lead. The ninth inning comes around. Um, Mitch Williams, who a, a lot of people question Jim Fergosi for going to Mitch Williams here. Um, he would say after the game, listen, Mitch was one of the reasons why we're here. I wasn't about, you know, to take it away from him. Um, even though he had had a pretty, pretty shitty World Series um, up until that point, he decided to run with who got him there and it bite him, bite, bited him, bit him in the ass. Big time. He walked Ricky Henderson um, to start the inning. And then what was made a lot about it is Williams started using a slide step at that point, which apparently he had never, ever, ever done um, in that in, up to that point in his career. Uh, Devon Wade ends up flying out. Uh, Paul Molitor hits a single. So it's first and second. Um, Joe Carter comes to the plate and again... I mean, the rest is history. Uh, you know, it gets to 2-2. Williams throws a little slider, maybe like a cut fastball. Um, I think it was I think it was a slider. It kind of looked like a cutter, but I think it was just kind of a more of a flat slider. Um, in under the hands of Carter. Carter gets the bat down uh, and hits the ball down into the corner, and it clears the fence. Uh, and then, of course, that again, Tom Cheek says, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Um, and the Blue Jays were back-to-back -back world champions. Um, to me, the 93 World Series is one of the best three or four World Series of all time. Um, every game was high drama, high intensity. Um, the runs being scored were absolutely insane. Schilling's performance in, um, in Game 5 gets forgotten a lot. Um, a lot of people only really remember Schilling for 2001 and then for the bloody sock game with the Red Sox. But this game in 1993 in Game 5 was arguably one of the best performances he'd ever had in the World Series. Um, you know, really when they needed after a 15-14 game where they got hung for six runs late to blow the game for him to come out and just shut the Blue Jays down and, and give them nothing... Um, was amazing. And then, you know, the high drama of this, 
you know, of this game, you know, Jay's up 5-1 and, and the fans are buzzing and they're like, shit, this is going to fucking happen. We're going to go back to back, baby. And then all of a sudden Philly puts up five and it's like, shit, now we're down 6-5. And then this home run, um, which I feel like, and, and maybe this is very homer of me to say, but I feel like the Carter home run gets disrespected a lot on the best of list. I think ESPN did a list of best World Series moments um, ever, and it was like 10th. And I'm like, fucking come on. Twice in baseball history, the World Series has ended on a walk-off home run. Mazeroski's was like 3rd, Carter's was like 10th. I feel like the Carter home run outside of Canada doesn't get as much respect as maybe it deserves. Uh, so there you have it, folks. My Mount Rushmore of Toronto Blue Jays moments. Um, to recap, we had the Ed Sprague home run to go ahead in the ninth in the Game 2 of the 1992 World Series. Uh, Roberto Alomar's game-tying home run against Dennis Eckersley in Game 4 of the 92 ALCS. Uh, the Jose Bautista bat flip in Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS. And Joe Carter's walk-off World Series winning home run um there you have it again my mount rushmore of toronto blue jays moments um there were some other ones in there too that i considered obviously edwin's uh home run against ubaldo jimenez in the 2016 uh wildcard game uh was on the short list there's a few other ones uh on there as well winfield's double in game six of the 92 world series uh, guys, I'd love to hear what you guys think. What are your guys' favorite moments in Blue Jays history? Um, hit me up again, as always, on the Twitter machine, at SnaggleJ, um, or in the Discord, discord.snaggle.club. I, I love hearing from you guys. love hearing what you guys think. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Snaggle Show. Um, whether you're listening on anchor.fm slash The Snaggle Show or in your podcast app of choice on IRS, iOS or Android. I appreciate each and every one of you for letting me invade your ear holes. Um, each and every Tuesday now, each and every Tuesday we're going to have these. And again, if you like things Nintendo, make sure you guys check out my new podcast, The Gold Cart Pod, The Golden Cartridge Podcast, which launches this Thursday morning. Find out more on Twitter at GoldCartPod or Anchor.fm slash GoldCartPod. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. You guys have a great, beautiful rest of the first day of October. And until next time, peace.